0: Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. John chapter 6, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great a great company come unto him. And he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew. What he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them should take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down a number, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves when he had given thanks, distributed to his disciples and the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments which remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I love this uh, passage of Scripture. I love the Gospel of John. I love John chapter 6. It's a great Uh, Great chapter, Um, and I love this story—the feeding of the five thousands in all four of the Gospels. But the Lord presents His disciples here with, uh, I guess we'll say, situation. I think the disciples didn't see it uh, uh, anything other than a problem at first. Matter of fact, they saw it as a a crisis. Um, You got to kind of get put yourself in the mindset of the disciples. As they began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they thought that he was going to be king, overthrow the Roman government. What they needed, though, was an army, right? They needed a bunch of followers. They needed a multitude. And here they had it. I mean, things are coming together perfectly. All these folks, thousands and thousands of people coming out to, to greet him and be out there with him. And so this is a good thing, right? But then... They're going to fall flat on their face because the people are out there. We're going to read in a parallel passage in a desert place and they're going to get hungry. They're going to start starving. They don't have any food. They don't have anything to eat. And so as soon as they get the multitude, as soon as they get the group together, they're going to have to send them away. They're going to fail. They're going to fall. And this is not a, you know, this is not a good thing. And so they begin to ask each other and think amongst themselves, how do we handle this? Problem. How do we handle this crisis? And the first response that we see in the passage, I think, is a familiar one when we think humanly speaking. Um, and that is just to remove the problem. I mean, God can do anything, right? Just remove the problem. Just remove my obstacles. Right. And so you see this in parallel passages in Mark. Uh, chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus, when he had come out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep having, uh, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past, send them away. That they may go into the country round about and to the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Matthew 14, 15. And when it was eaten, the disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. You know what they said? Send it away. Send away my problem. Anytime I'm faced with a crisis, anytime there's a problem in my life, God, just send it away. I, you know, you can almost start to think that this becomes our prayer life. Before long, any and everything that we face that we are not comfortable with or don't feel like we can handle real easily, we become like royalty. Send it away, right? Get it out of my presence. This is making me uncomfortable. Get it away from here. As if God is just waiting to, to go before us and move all of our obstacles out of our way. That that's what our prayer life is all about. Send it away. Get it out of here. I'm not comfortable with this. I don't think I can handle it. Matter of fact, I don't even want to think about it. Send it away. Right? And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, that's what our prayer life becomes. God, send away my problem. I got this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. Send it away. Get it out. You can do it. Get it. Remove it. Right? Send it away. I don't want to think about it. Don't want to have it. Whether it's disease, send it away. If it's a problem, send it away. If it's a relationship issue, send it away. If it's a storm coming in my life, just send it away. I just want smooth sailing. Perfect comfort. Right? But this is not how we grow. As we grow as Christians and we mature in in Christ, I believe that our prayer lives would begin to change from us telling God our will to seeking his will. If we're not careful, our prayers become us informing God what we think should happen here on earth and how things should go and how all the problems should be solved. Instead of asking Him, instead of seeking, instead of drawing close to the Lord and saying, Hey, now God does want us to cast our cares on Him. He tells us. He wants us to tell Him our problems. But then also be willing to say, Thy will be done. And how you handle this and how you're going to take care of this, God, I'm excited to see. Right? I'm excited to see. This is how we grow through circumstances. Not just removing all obstacles, but seeing how God is going to to deal with it. But look at the response here in verse 7. Verse 7, we have another response. Second response, it's Philip. Verse 7, he says, 200 pennies worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. So you have the send it away, don't want to think about it, don't want to look at it, don't want to deal with it. Then you got Philip. Philip says, all right. We can figure this out. I mean, this is just a math problem, right? Here's what we got. We got 5,000 men. So conservatively speaking, there's easily with women and children, 15,000 people, a few bucks a piece, right? This is just a math problem. Philip says, hey, here's what we got to do. We just got to figure out how much we need. We figure out how much we need, you know, and he's beginning to do the math, you know, to, Guys, don't overthink this. Here's what we got. We got 15,000 people. If if the meal, if the food's going to cost four bucks a person, we just need 50, 60 grand right now. We need $60,000 right now, right? And that, you know, that's a a human reaction to be able to just start to figuring it out. Some people just say, I don't want to think about it. Get it away. Some people say, all right, I'm going to figure this out. We're going to work through it, Right? And Philip, you know, he may have thought, you know, 60,000 or whatever it was going to take. But you got thousands and thousands of people there. I mean, he could have just said. I mean, they had 12 baskets. This could have been the original passing of the plate. I mean, Philip's probably thinking, you know, everybody give some. We'll get some people. Go get the food. We'll bring it out. We can raise the money. There's enough people here. Everybody chips in. Right? We can get this done. We'll just take up an offering. But the Lord wasn't interested in taking up an offering. He was interested in giving something away. I mean, that could happen, right? Humanly speaking, you've got to think through the problems. What could we do? How are we going to handle this? Then we have another reaction here. Andrew, Peter's brother. He, uh, he in verse 9... He says, uh, he, brings, he brings this little lad to the Lord. He says, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Now, I find this is interesting here. This little lad with his lunch somehow is talking to Andrew, offers it up, right? And, you know, from reading the, reading the Gospels and... and um, You know, kind of understanding the dynamics of the disciples with Jesus. They were like kids almost, you know. They were young fishermen. And you know that they were cutting up and, you know, goofing off and trying to outdo each other. And so I I guarantee that when Andrew came up with this idea, that there was some people that were picking on him. I mean, come on. You know, Philip's sitting there doing the math, thinking sixty grand is what we need, right? And then this guy comes up, Andrew, and says, "Here's five barley loaves. You know, I got I got five bagels and two bluegill. What you know? What can we do with that?" <laughs> and there's always that. You know, there's always that person. You have this insurmountable. You know, what, it doesn't matter what. You know, you're doing some big fundraiser. You building project or whatever, some well-meaning person wants to do a bake sale or a lemonade stand. You're thinking, that's a lot of work and it's not going to fix it, right? It's not going to fix the problem. And that's what everybody's like, oh yeah. You know, how? And I guarantee they are all picking on Andrew for his small-minded idea. But what's interesting is the Lord took it. The Lord took it. Five barley loaves and two small fishes, the Lord said, "Oh, thank you, Andrew. That's just what we needed." Verse 11, he says, "And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much. As they would. So the Lord takes it. And, you know, we've got to kind of wrap our minds around this a little bit about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about how much or how little that we give him. He is not interested in that, is he? He's tried to teach, you know, God's math is not ours. And no matter how much we give him or how little we give him, it doesn't change his math. It does not change his math. You know what he wants? He wants our hearts. And he looks at our hearts. And my goodness, this little lad that was willing to give his whole lunch, this is what the Lord was wanting to show the disciples. This was what the Lord was wanting to show. And this was what the Lord Jesus Christ was constantly uh, teaching us. He says in Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many which were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites, which maketh a farthing. And he called, he called his disciples. You see, he's trying to teach them. He said, hey, let me show you something. Come here. You see this? He called his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in. It's not the the amount that the Lord's looking at. It's the heart. He says she's cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they did cast of their abundance. You know what he said? They were given out of their surplus. They were given out of their abundance. They were given out of the what above and beyond they already had. But she of her want did cast in all that she had. Even all her living. Lord said, look at this. This woman gave it all. She gave of her want. She, gave, she, she was in need and still was able to give. She was in deficit and still was able to give of her want. And that's what the Lord was looking at. And he saw this in the lad who was willing to give it all. To give it all. And he says, I find one person willing to give it all. You'd never believe what I'd be able to do with that. One person willing to they themselves get into the offering plate. One person willing they themselves to say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Send me all that I am. I'm giving of myself to you. And You know what the Lord would do? He'd take it. You know, if the little, if it was us humanly, little lad comes up, has his lunch. We see this massive multitude. Why in the world would we take his lunch? The poor kid, the mom packed it that morning for him, right? This is his. He needs it. We wouldn't take from a kid to feed the adults, would we? But the Lord did. Why? He didn't want him to miss out on this blessing. He didn't want the lad to miss out on the blessing that was about to come. And he took this little lad's lunch. He took it, the Bible says. And he blessed it. Now, no one would have thought of the lad. I don't know how, I don't know how Andrew did, but this is not the way Philip was thinking, you know. Philip, while he was trying doing all the math in his his head, that was probably the last person Philip would have lobbied while he was trying to, you know, raise his 60 grand. he was he was uh, he wouldn't have gone to the lab, but the lad came to Andrew, came to the Lord and the Lord took took it and he blessed it and he passed it out. And you know what it became? It became more than enough for the multitude, more than enough. For the whole multitude. When the Lord takes it. Like that song, little is much. When God is in it. Right? He was able to take it. And he gave thanks. You know what he did? He blessed it. And then he, and then he gave it away. Then he gave it away. I find that this is interesting how this whole, whole chapter kind of unfolds. In that this was, the Bible says in verse 2 that it was nigh the Passover. It was right near this Jewish feast of the Passover. And throughout the rest of John chapter 6, Jesus begins to try to teach them that he is that Passover lamb. That he is the bread of life that came down from heaven, right? That we have to eat of. That we have to drink of his blood. He is going to be that body that he gave willingly. He gave it all. You say, how much did the Lord Jesus Christ give to us? All. All. And He took it, and He blessed it, He broke it. It was broken for us on the cross. And you know what He did? He gave it away. He gave it away. Salvation is a free gift for whosoever. He, he was broken for us. Why? That the multitude's need may be met. That whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. That's what He's teaching. Look at verse, look at verse 35 of that John chapter 6. He says, unto them, I am the bread of life. And he that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth, there's that faith. He that believeth, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He's trying to meet their spiritual needs now. Verse 48. He says, I am the bread of life. He says in verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ was that willing sacrifice, that offering. He, like the, like the little lad, offered it all so that the multitude, so that all could be saved, that whosoever would call on him would be saved. The Bible says that all were filled. They were all filled. To overflowing. (laughs) He sends up the disciples. And you know this is all about building the disciples' faith. That's what it said at the beginning. He knew that he would do. He did this, the Bible says, to prove Philip. Look, the Lord's going to do some stuff in our lives to prove us. And our first reaction may be to send it away. Our second reaction may be to try to figure it out. But you know what? The Lord, you know, if we could get to a spot where the impossible confronts us and we say, Lord, this is going to be interesting to see how you handle this, right? If we can get to that kind of faith, this is exciting to see how God's going to to multiply or how God's going to work these things out. But I believe he will work it out. He sends them out. To build their faith. They knew this. I mean, he sends them out with 12 baskets full. There was more left over than what they started with. There was more left over than what they started with. And yet they were stressing out and worried before the whole situation. But yet there was more after than they had even begun with. I, you know, how does that math work? God's ways are not our ways. God's, God's ways are not our ways. We have to trust Him in these things. I was thinking about this great miracle that the Lord did. And who was blessed by it? And I think there's like, there's like um, levels, if you will, of blessing in this miracle. There's the people that just got the meal. One meal. One meal. They were hungry. They would have been starving. <laughs> and He met their meal. That's a blessing, right? One day or, you know, may have lasted two days, whatever. But he took care of a need. That was a miracle. That was a blessing to the multitude. He was able to bless them. Met a need so they wouldn't starve. But you know who got a bigger blessing out of that? Than even the multitude? Is the disciples. See, I don't think, from reading the the four uh, gospel accounts of this, I don't think the multitude knew what happened. I think they just figured, wow, this... You know, the Lord Jesus, he carries around a lot of food with Him. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, you know, some people are just oblivious to how things get done, aren't they? It's like, wow, the Lord must have had a whole semi of of food to feed all 15,000 of us out here. Man, I can't believe he thought of that, you know. But the disciples saw it. The disciples were handing it out. That's why he told them to hand it out. And every time they'd reach in, there'd be more, it it would never... They'd go another row, and they'd look down. I still got a basket full. So they'd go another row, and they'd look down, and Phillips looks over at Andrew, and Peter's looking at John. Your basket's still full? Your basket's still full? My basket's full. How many... I've already given 5,000 people food. My basket's still full. Just kept it going. Then they got down at the end. They're full. Basket. You know who got a real big blessing out of this? The disciples. The disciples got to see it firsthand. This was a huge blessing to them. (laughs) You know, I believe there's a lot of people on the fringes of Christianity. They're not serving the Lord, they're not taking any risks for the Lord, they're not out there working with the Lord for the Lord with that purpose and yet they still get a blessing. God still blesses them. Gives them their daily bread. Won't let them starve. Gives them what they need. But for the 12 that were sweating this, that were anxious about this, that were worried about this, they got a huge blessing. Sometimes you wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it to take on the stress? Is it worth it to take on the anxiety? Is it worth it to... You know, put yourself out there and try to minister to other people and try to help other people. And the answer to that is absolutely. You get to see God do things that you wouldn't unless you had. You get to see God work and meet the needs and provide and see how he blesses other people. You got to, you know, I guarantee that that the disciples got thousands of people that day that said thank you to him. But it was all the Lord. It was all the Lord. And these people, the, the, the disciples, got a huge blessing out of this. You know who else got a huge blessing out of this? This is the little lad. He saw the whole thing. He knew the whole thing. He, you know, there wasn't everybody. He was probably trying to tell people, hey, that's mine. Hey, I caught that fish. And they're like, okay. Yeah, no, I did. I caught it. I caught that little fish. I, we, you know, my mom packed that. My mom packed that, you know. He's running around telling me, My mom packed that. Go, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Go sit down, right? No, seriously. He changed his life. He was never the same. He never, never, ever again. And I guarantee you no one ever picked on Andrew for his small ideas ever again either. The next time Andrew came up with a, you know, small idea, people were like, well, we should, probably should listen to him, you know. Remember the five barley loaves and two fishes? Yeah, we should probably listen to them. It might work, you know. You never know. The little lad was blessed. You know who else was blessed? Us. 2,000 years later. When God does something, it's not small. You know how many people, it's in all four Gospels. This little lad's lunch. Sorry. This has been read by Christians and and built Christians' faith for 2,000 years. This has been a blessing. You know, people have read these passages and at the end of services like this, for 2,000 years, people have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Decided that they would follow Christ as their Lord and Savior after hearing messages just like the one you're hearing this morning. For 2,000 years, that's happened. Let me tell you, that is a greater blessing than getting a belly full. When God does something, it's eternal. This little lad gave his his lunch, but God is still using it, even today, for us, today, now, to be a blessing. God's ways are not our ways. There's another element to this chapter I think that we've got to learn from. Chapter 6 of John. The Lord reveals some stuff to his disciples as we've already looked at. But he also reveals who are his true followers in this chapter. And why people follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the same today as it was back then. In verse 2, he tells you why people were following the Lord. The great multitude followed him. Why? Because they saw the miracles which he did on them that were diseased. Why were people following the Lord? Because he did miracles. They were following him because of the miracles that he had done. on the people that were diseased. And so this is what caused them. So as the Lord travels, they traveled with him. Then as the passage goes on, after he feeds them the, the 5,000. He gives them the food, fills their bellies for the day. He travels across the sea. And guess what? The multitude followed him across the sea. They're following him now. They're disciples. They're followers of Jesus. And when they get over there, the Lord says, Hey, your motive for why you are following me has changed. And he reveals their motive to them in verse 25. When they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus said, Answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles. So they had started to follow him because they saw the miracles, right? Of the diseased. But because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth an everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. You can see that the followers of of the Lord, it was in a downward uh, trajectory. They were going the wrong direction. First, they'd started following him for the miracles, which was the wrong motive. Faith in miracles cannot save. Faith in miracles cannot save. It cannot give you eternal life. It cannot change your heart. It cannot change who you are. It cannot. But now they're following him, not for miracles even, but for food. He says, now you're following me, not for miracles, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. He says, labor not for the meat that perisheth. Now the multitude's following him for lunch. They're following, why? Because he can meet their needs. He has met their needs. He can meet their needs. And so that's why they're following him. They're thinking, hey, as long as we stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ, he can make bread appear, you know, for 40 years. God made manna fall from the sky, right? He can take care of me. So if we stay close to the Lord, if we stay close to Jesus, you know what? We'll never go hungry. Let's just stay close to the Lord. But the Lord wanted to take them further from the physical hunger and thirst to the spiritual. So that's what he begins to teach. He begins to teach, I'm the living bread. I'm the bread of life. I want to take you beyond believing in miracles or beyond believing in, uh, you know, God can meet your needs and all these different things. And so he's revealing to them, this multitude, that they're all following him for the wrong reasons. That they truly didn't believe in him. Him alone. They were not true believers, these followers, these disciples. The Lord wanted to give them more than just food, He wanted to give them life. I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And so He begins to teach them that. Look at verse 28. Then said they unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? What shall we do that we can do great things like you can do? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. Isn't that an awesome verse? You You want to do the work of God? Believe on Jesus Christ. That's the work of God. Believe by faith in Christ. And they said therefore unto Him, What sign, look at this, What sign showest thou then? That we may... See and believe. Let me ask you, is that a true believer? You've got to see it to believe it. Does it. know you believe it to see it. You believe it to see it, not see it to believe it. And now they're, they're trying to manipulate the Lord. And if we're not careful, we've done this in our prayer life too. God, if you do this, I'll do that. And they're, they're saying, show us a sign. Show, show me a miracle and I'll believe. And just conveniently, their miracle has to do with another lunch. Conveniently. Their miracle has to do with just one more meal. Provide one more meal. Have food fall down from heaven. That's what they're, they're giving, giving the Lord a suggestion of the miracle that He should do for them. They said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written... He gave them bread from heaven. They're quoting scripture to the Lord. And he said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But, he, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me. Look at this. And believe not. The multitude of believers, the multitude of disciples were unbelievers. They saw the miracles. They followed him for that. They got fed. They followed him for that. Now they're trying to get him to just do it again. And you know what? Here's the thing, if your faith is based on miracles or God providing your need, that's what you're going to continue to need the rest of your life to follow Him. And when the miracles stop and when the hard times come, guess what? You're gone. When the hard times come, when things get tough, when things get rough, when the, and there will be a test of true discipleship and true following. And if you're following just for the miracles and following just for the food, just for the need, just for this, you'll eventually wash out. He says, uh, he begins to teach his doctrine and tell them what they really need is to believe in him, his body that was broken, his blood that was shed, what they really, really, really need more than physical food. That's hard for us to wrap our mind around, isn't it? We need this more than physical food. We We need the Lord Jesus Christ more than food. Yes, sir. That's where he wants us to get to it, by faith. We need him and his salvation and his redemption more than our daily bread. And he teaches them these things. In verse 60, look what happens to the multitude. This is a sad scripture, actually, at this point. Many there, four of his disciples, when they'd heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? This is tough teaching. This is a, this is a, I, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for the miracles and the meals. Call me back when the miracles and the meals come back. Because this is, this is not what I... I'm not, you know what I mean? This is not what I want. Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at this. And he said unto them, Does this offend you? What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. And they, and the, his disciples, the followers, would. He says, it is the spirit that quickeneth, or makes alive, gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that, what? Believe not. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the multitude. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Look at this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. When the miracles were going to stop, when the meals were going to stop, you know what they did? Not getting fed. It was obvious that they were true, uh, not truly believers. They were unbelievers. And they turned their back on the Lord Jesus Christ. They would have called themselves followers. They would have called themselves disciples until the test came. The test of truth, discipleship. Until the doctrine, Christ's doctrine started. His words, right? You say, how many of them left? So we got, what, 15,000 or more following the Lord? How many of them left? How many walked away? How many of them? Half would be bad, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that feel like A lot. Three quarters. That'd feel like, whoa, we're really thinning them out here, Lord. (laughs) Again, the disciples psychologically, think of, you know, Philip and Andrew and Peter. I mean, psychologically, you know, you're kind of riding high here with all these multitudes following. And then all of a sudden they all start walking away. How many are left? Then verse 67. Then said Jesus unto the 12. (laughs) There's 12 left of thousands. Can you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine how that would feel? It's one thing to go from, you know, it's one thing to go from 12 to 13 back to 12, or 12 to 24 back to 12. It's one thing to grow from 12 psychologically to thousands back to 12. It's hard to keep going. It's hard to think that you're on the right path hard to think that, hey, this is the right thing. I'm, I'm on the right. The Lord Jesus Christ is the right way for me to go. They're really tested here. The disciples are really tested. There was 12. He says to the 12, will you go away also? Will you also go away? In verse 68, and Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe, look at this, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And only, only 11 of them out of the 12 were true believers. But they were going to be tested, weren't they? They were going to be tested in a lot of ways, if they really were a true believer. What happens when the miracles stop? What happens when the food stops, when the, when the uh, needs seem to be not met? Will you go away also? That's the question I think that the Lord's going to ask all of us. All of us are going to be testing. Why am I following? Am I following for the miracles? Am I following because He can meet my needs? Am I following for some other reason? He knows your motive. And you'll be tested. And proven you will. At the end, you kind of start to wonder... Well then, was that whole thing a waste? I mean, that whole rigmarole, why even, if the Lord knew this from the beginning, why even do it? Why even have all the multitude and teach them? Why even feed them? Why do, you know, and if we're not careful as Christians, sometimes we start to get a little cynical and think, why, was this a waste of time? You know, if you've ministered to people, maybe you've ministered to a lot of people. And it seems that only a couple have ever benefited really from it. Really come to benefit in a true fellowship and relationship with Christ. And you can imagine the disciples are thinking, man, we went through all that, ministered to all those people. And then they all walked away, never to hear from them again. Was it really worth it? And the answer is yes. Absolutely. Why? Because it built their faith. There's more. Look, look, the Lord would do all that for just the lad. The Lord would do all of that miracle, all of those things, go through all of that stuff just for the one boy. It's worth it. You know, sometimes we get focused on how could I... You know, minister to the multitude. Well, the Lord will allow us, but don't be discouraged when it doesn't. You know, always pan out. It may have been just for you. It may have just been for Philip, or just for Andrew. It wasn't a waste. The Lord knows what He's doing. We got to trust Him in it. I guarantee you, Philip started doing math different at least when the Lord was around. <laughs> you know, it was like, we're going to need 60 unless he does something different, right? I mean, this is what we're going to need unless he, you know, who knows what he's going to do, right? And no one picked on Andrew again for his ideas, no. There's a lesson here in true discipleship. As we close, I think that there's a, a question we have to look into our own heart God knows our hearts what am I doing am I following the Lord Jesus Christ am I a true disciple why am I following him? am I following him because my family is am I following him because um, you know it's just what I'm supposed to do I know or I'm just following him because of uh, you know I live in America culturally this is why am I following the Lord What if if everything turns bad? Will I still follow Him? Would I be willing to deny myself and to take up my cross and still follow Him? Still follow Him. There is going to be a test of discipleship. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, I've just never put my faith and trust in Him. You can today. Christ did die for you. He is the bread of life. He did die that you might know that you have eternal life. This is the greatest decision that you could ever make. It's an eternal decision. If God were to provide all your food for you for the rest of your life today, eternal life is far greater. Eternal life is far more important. And He is offering that to you today. Maybe you're here this morning and you want to trust Christ as your Savior. Would you pray a prayer like this? God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I've never put my faith and trust in you just for who you are. The resurrection and the life. That you died for my sins on the cross. That you were buried and that you rose again. God, I am putting my faith in you and you alone. Trusting in you for salvation. God, forgive me of my sins and save you. Mm-hmm. taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.